So did you make New Year's? Did everybody make it to 1201? Yeah, a couple of you. I thought I, thought I was going to make it. I was over at my brother and sister-in-law's, and um, about 830, I just, I'm, I'm coming down with something. And so I left the family there, went home, hunkered down with a blanket, and I uh, took some medicine, the AM, PM kind. But I'm thinking I took the AM because I was up till about 1 o'clock this morning. I got up and took the other part. I hope it's not the PM because this morning could be real interesting. You'll be the judge of that. But it's that time of year again where we make those New Year's resolutions. They're the same, usually they're the same common ones. I want to stop eating too much. I want to stop spending too much. I want to stop smoking, drinking. I want to eat right. I want to start investing in my family. I want to eat healthier. And when we get to a new year, it's an opportunity for us. It's a new slate, and we're excited because it means perhaps the old can be gone and left behind, and we can start the year anew. We love that word, new. All you have to do is go in a grocery store, right? I went this past Monday. We went at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we got out. My wife said, what time is it? It felt like we were in there a long time. It was like... 12 o'clock when we got out. We spent two hours in there. I don't think it was because I was walking by boxes of cereal that said new on it, but the grocery store is one of those places that when you're walking the aisles and you see new, you're like, hmm, I wonder how that's better. And you stop and you think, I need to get that thing. We love the word new and all the images it conjures up. There are times we need new things. I needed new shoes two years ago because if it rained, it also rained in my feet as well because I get wet. So I, I, we need new things at times. But the idea of new really intrigues and draws us in. And so if you came here today hoping that 2011, you could leave some of those old things behind and experience something new, then listen up today. Because God is a big fan of doing new things. You read the, his word, and in the New Testament, you see him ushering in his new covenant through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. You read about people who believe in him, and his word in the New Testament said they are a new creation. And then you get to the end revelation and you read about how the old of the crying and the death and the sickness and the pain, that's left behind and what's ushered in is the new heavens and the new earth. God is a big fan of new. His word also says that he doesn't change. He is immutable. So that means just like he desired to do a new thing and does new things in the New Testament, he did the same thing in the Old Testament as well. And we shouldn't be surprised at that. We're going to look at an instance today of that in the Old Testament where he was desiring to do a new thing. As we do that, I want to get Bibles in your hands. So ushers, if you would come down. Two things. If you don't have a Bible, they'll give you one. It's yours to keep. It's our gift to you. If you forgot one, just signal to them. They'll give you one. But kids also, if you would like, they'll have kid packs here as well. If you would like one of the kid packs, just either raise your hand, have your parents raise their hand, and you can get one of those as well. 
We're going to be in Isaiah 43, which in the Bibles that we passed out is page 506. I want us to understand a little bit about what's going on prior to chapter 43 so that you understand when God wants to do something new, and we're reading that here, why it has an impact that it does. Isaiah is a prophet, and his book comes in two parts. The first part of the book is written in Isaiah's times. He's writing about times that he is in. And the, the chosen people, the Israelites, have exited out of Egypt. They're no longer slaves. They've been through the desert. They've been back through the desert. They're in their promised land. And we have Isaiah writing about what's going to happen with the Assyrians in the first part. They're going to be threatened. But when you get past chapter 40, we're going to be in 43, that's the second half, second part of Isaiah. He's no longer writing about times that he's experiencing He's talking about times that are to come for the Israelites. And they're not pleasant times. They are bleak times where they have lost everything because they are in captivity in Babylon. And he's writing, foreshadowing this this time where they will have lost their homes, would have lost their temple, and they are longing to have what God had promised And what you're going to see as we read it, despite their disobedience, God desired to do a new thing in them. And today, if you desire for God to do a new thing in you in 2012, listen to the words that he uses and gives Isaiah as he writes to the Israelites. Look at chapter 43, verse 16. I want to read all of it and we'll come back and look at sections as we go on. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a new way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourself for me, O Israel. And he goes on, but you have burdened me with your sins and you've wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. But now listen, O Jacob my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you, do not be afraid. Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by a flowing streams. The word that's used for new here, the Hebrew word is hadash, which means some, something not previously known. New means something not previously known. And so if we want something new, we're willing to let God do something in us to change us, even if it means getting rid of the old when we don't know what the new is. The word means not yet previously known. You don't know what that is. And if you're like me, that's a scary thought to be led to a place not yet known because we get familiar with what we do know. And sometimes we will sit in the old ways, in the pain, the misery, the hurt, the unforgiveness, the anger, because it is what we know. It is familiar to us. But here, he wants us to be open to being led to a place that is not previously known. But a lot of times, we will not venture out because of the fear and anxiety of the unknown. There are reasons for that, but I want to talk about how we can change that in 2012. The first thing is, is God can do a new thing in me when I understand who God is. A lot of times, we have a misconception of who God is, and that clouds our picture of him. And it's hard to follow somebody, to trust somebody if we don't know them or if we have a misunderstanding of who he is. We can think of God sometimes like a vending machine, right? Where he dispenses what we want. The problem with that is, is what if we don't get what we want? Then what are we thinking about God? Sometimes we can think of God as that person that we will hang out with when we want to. The problem with that is we wonder when we get in times, does he want to be with us? We just got through Christmas. We can think of God like Santa Claus, giving us what we want if we've been good. Well, what if we've we've messed up? Nobody in here is perfect. We start to wonder. Will, we be, will he hear our prayers? Some of us think he's, he's a, this old man in the clouds just waiting for me to mess up, or he's this old person in the clouds that doesn't know what is going on with me. But just because we think we understand what God is like doesn't mean it is right. What matters most is what the truth is about who God is. And until we fully understand God's true character, we're going to have a hard time trusting him. And so if we want something new, it's hard to let go if we're not trusting. We need to understand who he is. And God spoke to the Israelites, verse 16, he's reminding them, hey, I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that did those miracles. I'm the one who parted the seas. I'm the one who, as we went through the desert, provided for the animals in places where provisions shouldn't have even been made. I'm the one who did that. 
he was reminding them. And when you read this book, especially the Old Testament, he often says that, I am the one who. He wants you to understand who he truly is and being willing to let go of all of our misconceptions. One of my favorite parts of scripture, Psalms will speak to who he is. But I like Job, not the beginning. (laughs) Go to chapter 38 and read chapter 38 on, because all of a sudden, Job stops speaking and God starts to ask some questions. And you can just read those as statements of who he is. And all of a sudden, you understand his greatness. So what is your picture of God? Is it accurate? Because this powerful God is the one that's saying, do not be afraid, my people. I want to do something new in you. To them and to you today, I want to do something new in you, no matter what has gone on. Even if you think it's impossible, I want to make a way in the desert. I want to put streams in that wasteland. What is your picture? Do you trust God to lead you to a place not yet known in 2012? I want to tell you that you can trust God to lead you to that place because he knows what you need. He knows what is right for you, what is good for you, and he wants to take you to that place. And what it would would be if this year you committed to say, I want to start reading who he really is. Start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at Jesus Christ because when you look at him, you start to understand who God is and it will change your day-to-day in a good way and maybe you'll start to experience and see the new thing that he wants to do in you. When I understand who God is, then I can start to experience some newness. The other thing that I wanted to share with you this morning is God can do a new thing in me when I let go of my past. This one's a tough one. We can get stuck in our past. What we read in verse 18, forget the former things. Whether they're successes or failures, forget them. Don't dwell on the past. Because when we look in the past, we end up getting stuck there and we replay things over and over and over. It is like driving a car with just your rear view mirror right, where you're just looking at that. That mirror is very important. It's helpful because it provides perspective. But I like what Rick Warren says. Some of us replay the past and focus on the past so much that our rearview mirror becomes bigger than our windshield. And we need our windshield to see what's going on now and what's going to be in the future. If you ever want to experience something new, you need to move past your past. That rearview mirror is going to play its role, but you've got to have the, the windshield be the bigger thing and let God let you see the new things and have hope for the future. We need to move past our past. If I didn't move past my past, I wouldn't be driving. 1988, I went for my driver's test in Maryland 
my wife, Kim, she can take any test, not study for it, and get an A. Not me. I got A's, but I had to work real hard to that. One day, we just moved into Maryland, and she said, we have the day off. Why don't we go by the uh, DMV to take our test? Okay, well, no sooner did I get started did I fail the test. So I, Now, if I just looked at that failure and not go back, I would not be driving. I'd have people carting me around, but I had to move past that past. And Isaiah is writing to people who understand you and understand me. We understand that God blesses us, but we also know we're not perfect. And our imperfections show through. And for the Israelites, God gave them a temple. He blessed them with a temple. They turned around and started worshiping idols. He gave them the truth. They started living lies. He gave them commandments. For, their, for the good of them, they lived like they were suggestions. He gave them himself, and they rejected him. Now, you look at that, and you say, well, they don't deserve any kind of change. But that, that's not what we read here. God said, despite all of that, he still loved them, and he was earnestly holding out his hand of love and saying, I want to give you an opportunity to start anew start over. And whatever it is for you, whatever your past is, whatever you failed at, whatever you may have hurt somebody with, God's holding out his hand and saying, let's start over. Maybe this year is the year that you start over. We have to let go of our past. I wish a reset button, we had a reset button when we let go of our past, you know, you could just go... And you reboot and everything from that point on is like, you're perfect. But as we forget the past, that doesn't happen. We're still familiar with some of our old ways and we're tempted to go that way. But God is drawing us to a different spot. He's saying, different direction. Don't go that way, go this way. God can do a new thing in me when I turn my back on sin and don't hold on to it. You ever watch that show, Hoarders? New season starts this week, right? I'm sure you've seen it, but I mean, you're, you're getting a view into a person's house where they've collected all of this stuff. They need this stuff to live, right? But you look at it and you say, oh, your life would be so much better if you just gave, just get rid of that. Let them take it and burn it. That's, you, you, you understand that, but to them, there's this fear of letting go. What if? What's on the other side of that? And they think that they're okay. And when you look at that, in essence, we are spiritual hoarders ourselves. There are things that we are not willing to let go and to surrender that to God. You look at verse 19, he says, I want to do a new thing in you. But then in 22... He speaks to them and he's speaking directly to us. Yet you do not call upon me, he says. We have this way of holding on to things, whatever we desire, whatever we want, whatever we need. Even if it is wrong, we hold on to it. And God wants us to be open to letting that stuff go so that he can do a new thing. Certainly he could do it 
in the midst of all that, but a lot of times we will not see it because we're still in our old ways and still letting that lead us. And he wants us to let go of that. He wants to make things possible where there seems to be impossibility. He's the one that knows how to make things happen in places where we look and say, I don't see how in 2012 this is going to change. He's the one that knows how to do that. Are you willing to accept that new thing that God wants to do in you? A lot of times we find it easier to accept gifts. Like Christmas, the gift of a computer or a phone. It's easier to do that than to accept the, what God wants to do in us. And I think it's because that we have to then admit that there's part of us that needs to go, that we need to change, and that doesn't sit well. For whatever reason, maybe fear, maybe guilt, shame. But if you read this, God says, you can approach me with confidence. Because he says it here in Isaiah, we read it in First First John 1, 9, where he says, call upon me. And I'll be the one here, he says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I remember those no more. You flip to the New Testament. First John 1, 9, he says, come to me, confess what those things are, and he is faithful to forgive. And then it says purify, he will purify us. That's the process of change. Take God up on his promise. He doesn't lie. He will do a new thing in you. And that's what he wants to do in 2012. If you came hoping that it'd be different, make this year the year of no excuses. Make this year a year where you commit to allowing God to do that new thing in you. We can help out in some of that. For some of you, it may simply mean I need to have a relationship with Christ because he is the one that helps clean out. No, it's not you. You can try all you want and you can be pretty good at it, but you'll never get the results that you desire because you need Christ to come into your life and clean from the inside out. And some of you need that relationship with him. That's why we put on that orange what's up card. Tell me more about a relationship with Christ. Don't go home today without checking that if that's you today. For some of you, you have that relationship. But oh, what a day it would be. You haven't been baptized yet. We have services coming up at the end of January. For you, it'd be a a moving moment for you because there's this whole symbolism of death to the old and life to the new. And you know what that means specifically for you. And maybe it's baptism. That's on the WhatsApp card. For some of you, you need accountability. You need other people around you. We have Life Healing Choices, which is a care group, starts in the first week of February. I'm not trying to do plugs of the stuff. And if I am, good, because the church is supposed to be here to give you some next steps. If you need accountability and you need a care group, write LHC for Life Healing Choices on your WhatsApp card. We'll sign you up. Some of you need to get in a group. Some of you need to start serving your neighbors, your coworkers, and start thinking about somebody outside of yourself. You see, God loves you the way you are. He sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross the way you are, but he loves you too much 
to leave you where you are. He wants to do that new thing in you. Are you willing to let him do it, to drop all that you carry and hold on to and say, take me to the place not yet known? That's our prayer for you this year. We want to help you this morning. You see these little stacks of white paper and the cross over here. And the band's going to come up and start to play. And what we want, you know what's holding you back from God doing that new thing in you. As they play, sit back, think about what that is. Come on up. There's pens here. Take a piece of paper. Write what that is. Don't put your name on it. You can rip it up, crumple it up. But I want you to take that thing, that paper, which symbolically represents what is holding you back from letting God lead you in your life. And I want you to leave it at the foot of the cross. Come all you who are weary and burdened to me. Leave it there. Release it here. Jesus is the one who made that possible. And I want you to start this year identifying what are those things that are getting in the way and make a commitment to turn from those and begin to move toward him. So as they play, you can come up and do that. But as you lay it at the cross, I want you to go. We have four stations, two up front, two in the back with communion elements. We take this every week, right? But it is a symbol, the bread and the juice of what Christ has done for you to have that freedom, to come and say, give me hope, take this stuff. So as you lay this at his feet, go and take, partake in the bread and the juice. Go back to your seat and just reflect. I want you to reflect on the words in Isaiah 44, verse one. May this be our prayer for each of us. May you hear God's word. Do not be afraid. I wanna pour out water on thirsty land. And some of you have some very thirsty land that needs water today that only he can bring. Thirsty and streams on dry ground. There's some dry ground and it can be full of life. May you experience the new thing that God wants to do in you and in 2012.